Merry Christmas, Red Rocks Church. Oh, come on, let's lift up a shout of praise right now for Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and of course, the birthday boy. You may take a seat. And while you're finding a seat, ponder the answer to this joke. How much does Santa pay to park his sleigh? Nothing. Turn to somebody and say, it's on the house. <laughs> it's on the house. Good news, guys. This sermon can only get better from here. Welcome to church. I want to encourage you a little bit right now by telling you, even if you feel like this year or this season is kicking your butt, even if you haven't even started Christmas shopping yet, you've got plenty of time, Matt. You don't. You don't, but you're doing better than you think you are. Why? Because you're in church right now. You made it to church. So just feel better about yourself generally right now. I'm here to remind you that you might feel far from God, but you're not. You might think he's mad at you right now. I'm here to tell you that he's not. You might feel like Buddy the Elf, a cotton-headed ninny muggins. I'm here to tell you that you're not. You're not that. You might feel unworthy to be in church. I'm telling you, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. God loves you. The amount of love he has for you is an ocean that you could not even comprehend. You cannot outsend the grace of God. Love is not something that he does. It is something that he is, and he cannot and will not deny himself ever. And I think the real challenge of being a Christian is just trying to figure out how to actually believe news that good, because it is that good. My name is Doug Weckenman, and on behalf of our entire staff and our church family, you have a home here, and you're in the right place at the right time to experience what God thinks about you this Christmas. Amen? So welcome to Red Rocks Church. Let's read the Christmas story again, shall we? I know Mackenzie just did, but if you're anything like me, you need it twice. You want it twice, so here we go. It's times like this, by the way, I wish I had like James Earl Jones's voice or I sounded like Linus, but it's just me. However, I do have Jeremy Blake backing me up with, which what I, with what I presume the Holy Spirit must sound like, okay? So it's gonna, it's gonna help us out here a little bit. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter two, starting in verse six, here we go. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. By the way, this is right around that time the three wise men show up with frankincense and myrrh, and then they leave and the three wiser women show up with diapers, dinner, and wine. Can I get an amen from all you moms? I dedicate that to you. My wife and I are two weeks into baby number two, and we are experiencing something called a meal train made possible by a lot of you. It's amazing. I'm like, let's keep having babies just for these meal trains. It's the greatest invention ever, second only to honeymoons. Whoever thought of meal trains and honeymoons, I just wanna hug them. I'm getting distracted. We were reading the Christmas story. Back to the Christmas story. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, obviously. You would be too. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Somebody say good news. That will cause great joy. Somebody say great joy. For all people, loud and proud, all people. 
Good news, great joy, all people. That word all in the Greek, you know what it means? All. It's just a Greek drop to make me feel and sound smarter in a Christmas sermon. Pas, all. I'm trying to be on my best behavior right now. Uh, this is as nice as I've ever dressed in any sermon ever. And I know I'm only wearing a sweater and jeans and boots and that makes some of you breathe out and relax and some of you it makes you nervous. Let it be whatever it is. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. I'm getting you guys, I'm gonna get you laughing before service is over. Lying in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has just happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Will you pray with me? God, we love you so much. At the end of a very hard and exhausting year, we shut out distractions right now. In a busy season, we on purpose right now shut out distractions in Jesus' name. We on purpose focus our attention right here and right now. God, this is where you are. You are present. Help us to be also. Everything else can wait. Let us sit with you for a few moments right now, God. Thank you for the greatest Christmas present in the history of the universe in your son, Jesus. We pray all of this in the beautiful, powerful, and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Here we go. Jeremy, thank you, bro. Don't go far. Okay, I wanna start with a little friendly competition. Where are my Christmas movie fans at? Loud and proud, let me see you. Christmas movie fans. I need a little bit more participation than that, you guys. I know it's a stronger contingency than that of, of Christmas movie fans in the room. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a little competition to find out which gender knows more about Christmas. This is provocative already, all right? I've got seven quotes written down. I've got them memorized, but they're also written down. I love Christmas movies that much. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna say the quote... As soon as you know the quote, you be brave. You don't hold back. You yell out the name of the movie. Whichever gender gets it, gets a point for their gender. Best of seven, are we clear? Any questions? I'm in here to be the ref. I'm not at home to be the ref, but God is, okay? And so just know that. Participate and play along at home. Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. Quote number one, just yell it out as soon as you know it. And if you win, you win Christmas somehow. I'm not sure how that works, but you win Christmas. Here we go. Quote number one. Oh, Eddie, if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I would not be more surprised than I am right now. That was over here. Megan, was that you? Megan, that, that was Megan Beach. This Megan? Congratulations. One point for the ladies. Christmas vacation. That was Uncle Eddie showing up in his RV. That right there is an RV. But don't get too attached to it, Clark. We're taking it with us when we leave here next month. Uncle Eddie. Okay, one nothing. Ladies are winning. Here we go, number two. Christmas came, no weenie whistle. The Santa Claus. Bryce, was that you? One to one. 
Gentlemen, ladies are tied right now. Ethan, I think that's your favorite Christmas quote of all time, is it not? Is that Neil from the Santa Claus? Christmas came, no weenie whistle. Okay, here we go, number three. Quote number three, coming at you. Buzz, your girlfriend, woof, home alone. That was the guys. Guys, the ladies won the 3 p.m. service, but it's two to one right now. Awesome, there you go, bro. This is a lot of Christmas action happening. I'm just gonna preach to this area right here for the whole sermon. Okay, two to one. Quote number four, here we go. Iris, if you were a melody, the holiday. I used only the what, Megan? I used only the good notes. There we go. You guys, this is, this is a secret, so don't let this leave the room. Keep this between us. The Holiday is my new favorite Christmas movie. I have seen it three times in the last two weeks. Hans Zimmer does the soundtrack, and the movie's just awesome, okay? The Holiday. We're 2-2, tied up with three quotes to go. Number five, here we go. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. The Grinch. I was gonna finish the whole quote, but I won't. I'll give that to you. Three to two. The ladies need one more, and you win Christmas. Guys, you have to win the next two. Here we go. Number six. I'm just gonna sing it. I'm gonna perform it. You're about to find out. I have a beautiful singing voice, okay? I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. I feel it in my toes. Okay, ladies win. There you go. Love actually. And just for fun, the final quote. You sit on a throne of lies. You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. The elf. Or not the elf, just elf. Okay, ladies, congratulations. You win Christmas. This is a very divisive sermon already. Okay, one more, one more participatory experience, and then I promise I'll just let you sit there and listen for the rest of the sermon, okay? On the count of three, I want you to just yell out your favorite Christmas movie, all right? You're like, is this church or youth group for adults? Why can't it be both, guys, okay? Do we understand the rules? On the count of three, favorite Christmas movie, loud and proud, here we go. One, two, three. (laughs) If you answered Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, you just won that competition right there. Why? Because it leads, it segues perfectly into the rest of my sermon. If you don't know the plot of Home Alone 2, you do if you've seen Home Alone 1. (laughs) Because Kevin McAllister, (laughs) Kevin, you're such a disease. Look what you did, you little jerk. He gets himself lost again, but this time he's not left home alone. He gets lost in the biggest, one of the biggest cities in the world, New York City, to fend for himself against Harry and Marv. And at the very end of the movie, he tells a story about one of his favorite Christmas presents, a pair of rollerblades that he was, bless you, that he was so excited about, but so afraid to get them dirty or scuff them, that he kept them in the box in his closet until he outgrew them and never even got to enjoy them. Here's my spiritual transition from Kevin McAllister to Jesus Christ. As Christians, I'm so serious right here. We have been given three Christmas presents. I believe so many of us as Christians never use at least not to the full extent that we could. And if you can believe it, they're better than rollerblades. The gifts under the tree that showed up as a package deal with a baby 
born in a manger wearing holy huggies 2,000 years ago, are as follows. Peace, joy, and hope. And the reason, catch this, the reason so many of us leave them in the box and never use them is because we make the huge mistake of thinking these things, peace, joy, and hope, are emotions based on circumstance that come and go as they please. Christmas 2020, I want to show you today that peace, joy, and hope are not emotions primarily based on circumstances, but first and foremost, they are promises based on Jesus that showed up because of Christmas. They are habits to activate in your life. They are muscles to be strengthened. They are first and foremost decisions to be made and gifts under your tree for you to unbox and use that are rightfully yours. And so here is the truth about peace, joy, and hope today. Number one, for all you note takers, I've broken this down into three points for your convenience, you're welcome. Point number one, the truth about peace. The truth about peace. So why is it that the most peaceful time of year is also the most stressful time of year? Anybody else? Like this is the time of year we sing one thing and we feel something completely different, right? All is calm, all is bright. Oh yeah, well my aunt's coming over for Christmas dinner in her Biden t-shirt to my uncle's house. The Trump sign's out in his front yard. This dinner will not be calm and bright. I'm just trying to make it through this dinner. It's still a Christian, right? Oh, it's a holly jolly Christmas. Oh yeah, well I lost my job this year. I lost a loved one this year. There's not presents under the tree this year, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh yeah, well statistically, anxiety and depression are at their peak this time of year. And in December, nine out of 10 primary care doctor visits are for stress-related issues. This is real life. So where is this peace that presumably is uncorrelated with my circumstance. And for all of those who are like me that are in this room or watching right now and you struggle with anxiety or worry, I hope, I've been praying, like Ryan said, this Christmas Eve service would just be one big inhale and exhale for you, that you would walk out of here believing in the deepest part of who you are that a deep mind at ease peace uncorrelated with your circumstances, a soul at rest, cozy in your imperfect reality with no desire to escape, sleeping at night in heavenly peace, come on. That kind of peace is actually possible and I'll be really careful to cite my source, it's the Bible, it's Jesus. Why is that possible? Because peace is not primarily based or correlated to circumstances that comes and goes as it pleases. Peace is a promise here for me to practice every day. Luke chapter one, verse 79, watch this. The rising sun will come to us. Who is that? That's Jesus from heaven on Christmas to shine on those living in darkness feel like that right now, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path to peace. Oh, wait, 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 no, back up. I misread that. 
Big mistake. I said the path to peace. No, no, no. That's the path of peace. It's a big difference. And that one two-letter word might just be the game changer for you because it means, and catch this, peace is not a destination around the corner. Peace is a path you're walking on right now. Because I know so many of you are like me and you think, man, if I can just, just get me through this season, man, and then just get me to 2021. <laughs> okay, and then what? Like the calendar magically fixes everything? Hey, there's, there, it, fresh starts are powerful. I plan on capitalizing on my January 1st fresh start. I suggest you do also. But, but my question is, guys, where do we think peace is? It's like Wi-Fi, right? And Jesus is the router and he never buffers. Oh, every time I say that, I always like cringe because it's so cheesy. But you won't forget it. And it makes my point that peace is wherever Jesus is. And Jesus, yeah, he's then and there, but more importantly, he's also here and now, which means we're not talking about a when I finally get a promotion kind of peace. We're not talking about a when I finally find a job kind of peace. We're not talking about a when I finally get married, when we finally have kids, when the kids are finally out of the house, when the in-laws finally leave. Like, we're not talking about that kind of peace correlated with your circumstance. Why? Because peace is not a destination around the corner. You're not walking on a path to future peace. You're standing right now on a path of present peace. I'll say it this way. It's not a place out there, church. Peace is a person in here. Stop waiting for it to show up or knock on the door one day and start walking in it right now because I'm telling you what Christmas means is that you have everything you need today to walk in peace. Oh, you don't need more of it from God. You need a deeper revelation of what you already have in God. No amount of guilt will change your past no amount of anxiety or worry will change your future, but just a little bit of this promised peace will revolutionize your present. You have a peace the world did not give you, and if that's true, then that means the world can't take it away from you because peace is not found in the absence of all my problems. It's found in the promise of his presence, and because of Christmas, I have that right now. It might not be from this earth, but because of Christmas, make no mistake, it is now on this earth. Which means, gone are the days of trudging through the mud thinking, oh, if I can just get there. Because the message of Christmas is peace came here. The truth about peace, it's not an emotion, first and foremost, correlated to your season. No, it's a promise. It's a path you're on right now. Peace is a practice. Amen? Amen. Number two, the truth about joy. The truth about joy. The angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. That word for great in the Greek, a synonym of great, could also be mega. I like that word better. Just sounds astronomically awesome. 
the bigger the better. I bring you good news that will cause mega joy, church. So just imagine we all get an alert on our phone right now, and the alert says a miracle cure for COVID has just been developed, and it's completely the real deal, nothing weird about it, no conspiracies about it, non-microchip guaranteed, right? Biden and Trump both just took it. The right and the left are hugging each other. They've never been more united about anything in their entire lives. It's the real deal. Let's all do it, and let's burn our masks and give each other 10-minute hugs and go out in Austin tonight for dinner and drinks and celebrate. How would that make you feel, right? Mega joy. Why? Because it's been a very long and exhausting year. Now try to imagine 400 very long and exhausting years between the Old and New Testament where you get nothing but static from God and then all of a sudden one night an angel of the Lord shows up and says, it's time I bring you Good news, the long-awaited Messiah, he's being born tonight in a manger. A new era, a new day has dawned. Good news that leads to great joy. Great joy is the warranted response to good news like that. One of my favorite parts about our church is the culture of celebration that we have. We go after joy here like it's our job. We make a big deal out of small stuff because planting a church is hard, so we're gonna make it as fun as possible and we don't show up here hoping and praying that joy also does. Like, oh, I hope, weather permitting, joy also knocks on the door and says, guess what, you get me this week. No, 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 no. It's not correlated to our season or circumstance. We show up believing joy is a promise and it's already here. Joy is a muscle and as a church, we're gonna work it out and get stronger and stronger, right? So how many people are buying a a gym membership for January? Because 2021 is your year, baby! And I'm totally that guy who will believe that for you. Why not, man? I believe it's your year. Some people say, oh, you're hopelessly optimistic. I call it faith. I just think God likes it. Good things are yet to come. 2021 is your year. Come on, but I gotta also be honest about the stats and hope that you'll defy the stats. So here's the stat, $1.8 billion. $1.8 billion is the amount of money the United States spends in one year on gym memberships that get used once. Will having a gym membership make you strong? It's not a trick question, yeah, no. Every human being, guys, has ab muscles. Does every human being have a six pack? No, it's been since I was 15, but 2021's my year, praise God, let's go. Okay, spiritual transition, check back in right here. You have a muscle in your soul, you really do, truly. You have a muscle in your soul and it's called joy. And because of Christmas, you also now have an unlimited membership to good news in order to work out that joy muscle. But you need to work it out. You need to treat joy like it's your job. You will get stronger in your ability to joy in life. By the way, it is a verb before it's a noun. 
But just like going to the gym at first, is that difficult at first? Yeah. Not used to it? Absolutely. Very, very challenging at first. If you stick it out, will it get easier and even a little addictive? Yeah, absolutely. Is it possible that you could be a different version of you a year from now? With a, with a soul that is so much more joyful than you ever thought possible or imaginable? Absolutely. Why? Because joy is not primarily an emotion correlated with the season. Joy is a promise given to you, a muscle given to you to strengthen. After all, happiness is 10% what happens to you, 90% what you do about it, and 5% attention to detail. You can't stop the dad jokes right now, man. I'm, you guys, come on. That was funny. That totaled 105% for all of you who are not doing math in your head right now. Okay, back to the Bible. Philippians 4.4. 4. This is Paul from prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. In Greek, that word always means always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. I can't rejoice when life is hard, then that means I'm gonna be doing very little rejoicing in life. You understand as Christians, we live with joyful news in a painful world. The human experience, you guys, it, it is both joy and pain. And maturing as a Christian in a lot of ways is just increasing your capacity to hold both joy and pain in dynamic tension with each other. Pain is not joy's enemy. Pain is joy's dance partner. Rejoicing means to joy in God as a verb before it's a noun. It leads to amazing feelings, absolutely, but it begins as a decision. It begins as something you do. And the reason that's good news is it means it's in your control. You're not a victim to the season when it comes to your joy according to scripture. Because here's the thing about the human brain. This is true for all of us. Like we're bent to focus on whatever's wrong. We just are. It's the reality of living in a fallen post-Genesis 3 kind of world. Our brains just scan the horizon for predators and worry about the 500 things today that could go wrong but never do. That, that, like, that's, that's the reality that we live in, so thank God we have a God, a divine designer who divinely designed our brains with the ability to be renewed, okay? Science and the word of God are two of my favorite things, and I love talking about both of them a lot, especially in the same like paragraph, okay? And so science has been catching up with the word of God recently, and I think it's awesome. I really, really do. I think it's amazing. Dr. Caroline Leaf recently said, and this is all study-based, okay? She said 12 minutes, that's the number, church, 12 minutes a day, just 12 minutes of daily focused gratitude and prayer, 12 minutes a day for eight weeks. Just, uh, so what are we talking? January and February, 12 minutes for two months, changes your brain so much, rewires, renews your mind so much that it shows up on a brain scan. 
AKA your soul's getting a six pack. AKA your joy muscle is getting stronger. This is the truth about joy. The same as peace, not primarily an emotion that comes and goes when it wants and I can do nothing about it but hope I have a good season and good external circumstances that allow me to experience these two promises internally. Guys, that's the good news of Christmas. These are promises, permanent ones, under my tree right now because of the gift of Jesus Christ. So learning to unbox them and use them, you could say is every Christian's obligation morally, right? But here's the thing, and I'll I'll just say this. Walking in lasting joy and peace will not happen because of one sermon about joy and peace, right? If it did, my job would be so much easier. This would have worked by now. It's like you leave the dentist, they give you some floss, big deal. That doesn't matter until you go and you use it. Guys, Jesus came and promised peace and joy. Big deal until you use it, until you put it into practice. The best way to do that statistically is by plugging or planting yourself in to a local community of believers who do that in a consistent way. Gallup just released a secular study about Tons of people groups in our nation and what 2020 has done to us emotionally and mentally. And it's kind of devastating. Every people group, I'm not talking individual persons, I'm talking people groups. Every people group experienced increased depression and anxiety this year except one people group. And it's the group of people who would honestly say, I go, whether in person or online, I attend a gathering of believers in a community like church once a week. And I read that and go, oh my gosh, well that makes complete sense. Because peace is a practice. Peace is a path. Joy is a muscle. And so I'll say to you what Ryan said in the welcome, January 3rd, we're rolling out a brand new series that we're passionate about, that that we believe will help you spend 2021 walking in joy and peace, the real kind that lasts. I say this all the time. You know the things billionaires are trying to buy, but they can't. It's called abundant life, zoe, life and life to the full. And it's found in unboxing, learning how to, by the way, unbox these promises, these gifts and activating them in your life. And so I wanna invite you and challenge you to be part of that group. We would love for it to be here. This community of people is so special, man. God's, he's got his hand on this group on this church, and I can I say that because I have very little to do with it. But God's just doing something here, and we believe at Red Rocks Austin, every human being in some way, shape, or form is made to experience God daily, find family daily, discover purpose daily, and go lead and make a difference in this world daily. That plays out different in all of our lives, but I believe that is the recipe that's gonna make you come alive and walk the way, like, and live the way you know you were intended to. That's the space between the person you are now and the person you know you want to be and just could be. Maybe planting yourself in a community of believers is the ticket to go from this to that. That's the long term for walking in lasting joy and peace. But let me just give you, let me give you the short-term homework. I'm talking about just the next seven days. 
over Christmas, New Year's, because this time of year, all it is is just one big party. And I love parties. Let's keep the parties going every single year. But we hope and pray that every party is going to give us lasting joy and peace. And parties just can't do that. They can't. So my challenge to you, step away from the party into his presence for 12 minutes of focused minutes of gratitude and prayer. And just, if, if you've never done that before, just turn on a worship song on Spotify, Red Rocks Worship, Hillsong Worship, Elevation Worship, Maverick City, and just let the song, the lyrics be sung over you. Maybe even speak some of the lyrics under your breath. Maybe make a list of things you're grateful for. Try working out that joy muscle that you have for 12 minutes of focused daily prayer. Maybe put away your awesome books about the word of God and get out the actual word of God that is guaranteed. It promises peace and joy every time you go to it. Fill yourself up with that in his presence and then go back to the party with this presence, pun intended, and that might be the greatest gift you can give your family this Christmas is a non-anxious presence in the house, a version of you that is more joyful and more peaceful because you're not treating joy and peace as, as emotions that you hope, please God, let me have them this year. No, I, they're, they're, my pro, they're promised to me. I'm gonna unbox them and use them. I'm not gonna wait for the stars aligned to hope that I, I feel something deep in my heart. No, this is, the joy is a muscle and peace is a practice. And I'm gonna do that with everything I got, not just for me, but for those in my life as well. And number three, and Ben, you guys can come back out. I'll finish with this one. The truth about hope. The truth about hope. So King David wrote, 73 of the 150 psalms, the psalms, they're right in the middle, right smack in the middle of your Bible. And I really feel like a lot of you are gonna find healing balm for your soul in the psalms. So I was supposed to bring it up in this sermon because maybe you'll go there for your 12 minutes a day. But they're filled, man. There, there are songs and poems full of the gritty and raw, uncensored highs and lows and pains and joys of the reality of being a human being. And David was certainly not an exception. And David, I call him the schizophrenic king because you totally see him just like back and forth. You turn the page and he's like this and then all of a sudden he's, he's snapped out of it immediately. Like you read some Psalms like the one we're about to read and I'm like, oh, I can just... I can just see the teardrops on his guitar. Great song, by the way. Like, I can just see him because he's literally pouring his guts out onto paper going, God, you're nowhere right now. Like, you've forsaken me. I, I can't find you anywhere. You've just left me here with people mocking me and I'm doubting and got like, you're nowhere to be found. Turn the page, same guy. Everywhere I go, there you are. <laughs> Where can I go to get away from you, God? <laughs> and I read it and I, I just, I love this man. I relate to him. Psalm 42, five. This might be for you. Why am I discouraged? And why is my heart so sad? Why am I discouraged and why is my heart so sad? It's the pain and, and joy and tension with each other. And then something shifts right in the middle of this verse. See this, 
It's, it's like all of a sudden David takes control of his hope and his soul. Because he started, he started that verse treating hope like an emotion. And then he's gonna finish that verse treating hope like a decision. I will, that's a decision. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. I will put my hope in God. This is for somebody. I will praise him again today. I will put my hope. It's like he's putting his soul in a timeout. Like his soul is a two-year-old. Soul, soul, stop being down. Like put your hope in God. Soul, you will put your hope in God. You will praise him again. Some of you need to put your soul in a timeout right now and take the captain's chair back in your life. Soul, put your hope in God. I will praise him again because the truth about hope is hope is an investment. Hope's an investment. And if 2020 has done anything, it's shown us that we've had our hope invested in a lot of places other than God. I remember the day back in March when everything changed and I realized, my gosh, am I gonna have a job next month? Like, are we gonna be okay? We all went through it together. We all got rocked. And like every trial, it show, it re, it was, it's the great revealer. And it revealed to all of us that a lot of our hope, even as Christians, is invested in the world. The problem is if you invest your hope in the world, then your hope is susceptible to the state of the world. If you invest all your hope in a job and you lose that job, guess what happens to your hope? You invest your hope in the economy. What happens when the economy crashes, right? But if you invest your hope in Jesus, this ultimate Christmas present that arrived 2,000 years ago in a manger on the other side of the world, this, this king, this king of kings, this lord of lords who lived a perfect life to die at the perfect moment as the perfect sacrifice in order to perfect a very imperfect person. And one day he's coming back to get me to live in paradise paradise with him forever. If you take your hope and transfer it from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God, your hope cannot be shaken because the kingdom of heavens cannot be shaken. Your hope will not be rocked. It is an investment that leads to some pretty amazing feelings. But make no mistake, begins as a very decisive, like it's an investment starting with a decision on I'm putting my hope not here, soul, Put your hope in God every day. He, David did that like a hundred times in the Psalms. Put your hope in God. Put it back in the kingdom of heaven. Get it away from this and back to this because I don't wanna be susceptible to the state of this world that we found out this year is so easily shaken and can crumble so fast. Not the kingdom of God, church. This decision to invest leads to some pretty amazing emotions because you start living in holy anticipation of what's to come. If you know that feeling, even if you have a vacation on the calendar like six months out, the anticipation is half the fun. It like awakens some life or energy inside of your soul because you know something good is coming. That's why for some of you, your practical homework at Christmas dinner tomorrow night is just to plan your 2021 vacation. Aren't you glad you come to a church that believes in vacations, right? And if you take your kids, it's not a vacation. It's a work trip, a vacation. That's what I'm talking about. So you, got, you, you can design your future in a way where you can practice hope. 
It's the same way times infinity as Christians because we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ where he's coming back, but not as a baby in a manger, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords and the anticipation that should fill us with as we look forward. I wanna show you Revelation chapter 19. We're gonna break all the rules of a Christmas sermon and read Revelations. Here we go, Revelation 19, 11 through 16. This could happen, by the way, tomorrow. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice he judges and wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that nobody knows but him he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God capital W word the armies of heaven were following him riding like picture this guys riding on white horses dressed in fine linen white and clean coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written King of kings and Lord of lords. This is Jesus, and we look forward to him coming back, not in a manger, not as a baby, but as the king of kings with a tattoo on his thigh that says Lord of lords and fire in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth and a robe dipped in blood, not because he's ready to make a battle, but because he just won the battle. That's what happened on the cross. He's not showing up out for your blood. He's showing up with his robe covered in his blood that drippled down the cross because the war has already been won and he's defeated death. He's defeated all of sin. And all that's left is for him to come back and end evil and end pandemics and viruses and hunger and poverty and hurt and loneliness once and for all. Which means you guys, new earth, new earth, this planet refined, restored and renewed, okay, with golfing. <laughs> with celebrating, with eating good food and drinking good wine and laughing and working jobs that give you life and surfing and mountains and oceans and no lack and no acne and no stress and no sickness, no desire to be anywhere else, no feeling like you have to audition for a spot in the room, no more wondering what that person thinks of you, no discontentment, no headaches and no pandemic, just you and me and Jesus and everybody who puts their hope in him this side of forever. Do you understand? Yeah. Do you understand this is the worst place you will ever live as a follower of Jesus? And it's Austin, Texas, one of the most amazing cities on the planet. And this is the worst place you will ever reside. I want you to feel that this Christmas. I want you to feel lucky today. I want that to give birth to joy and peace and hope, but not the fleeting, fickle, emotional kind. No, the deep promise to you by Jesus Christ kind. This is the worst place we will live. My gosh, the holy anticipation we should have, if you could spend one minute in new earth and then come back here, I promise you, you'd live with fire in your chest, in your soul. You live with passion and something ignited on the inside of you knowing what is to come, oh my gosh. And in the meantime, I'll keep putting my soul in a timeout. Soul, you put your hope in that. 
I'll keep practicing peace. I'll keep strengthening this muscle called joy. And I'll keep trying to make this side of eternity look as much like that side of eternity as I can. So I'll finish with this question. Where do you put your hope? Where is it invested? Specifically speaking, when it comes to eternity. If this, if this year has done anything, I don't know if, you, if you've experienced this. For me, I have sobered up to my mortality. I have become so much more aware of the realness of eternity. So let's talk eternity. Heaven forever one day. Or not. Where do you put your hope for that? Now the bulk of humanity, a lot of people would say, oh, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. And I really feel like I was supposed to say this, like, well, compared to who? So God's gonna grant you whatever the afterlife holds in regards to goodness or heaven because you've never been divorced and your sister has? Or your cousin's kind of that black sheep of the family and he's been in and out of rehab. And I mean, you got your stuff, but you're not, you're not a drug addict. So God's gonna let you into heaven because you don't party quite as hard as your, your friends. Guys, he's not grading us on a curve. When I'm standing in front of him one day, I don't know if it's how it works, but if he ever asks me, okay, uh, why, why are you a citizen of heaven? I am not starting my answer to that question with, well, because I know, because Jesus, because my hope is invested completely in him. That's the beauty of this, guys. That's why we're in this together. None of us stand a chance without him. Can you earn your way to heaven by living perfectly? Yeah, can you do that though? No. That's why Jesus is the most amazing Christmas gift there will ever be because he's free and wants to do it, has done it for you. And just says, put your hope in me, receive me as your Lord and savior. That's why an arrogant Christian's like an oxymoron. I'm like, what, what, what are you so arrogant about? You got saved because you couldn't save yourself. He didn't do anything. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'll answer that question, no, because of Jesus lived a perfect life and died at the perfect moment as a perfect sacrifice to perfect a very imperfect person named Doug Weckenman. That happened for me 12 years ago on the University of Colorado's campus in Boulder, Colorado. During a silent night, truly a quiet snowfall, I walked to a college ministry right off campus full of a million reasons why I'm unlovable by God a million men and experience something. When the pastor asked like, if, if you want Jesus, just raise your hand, it's free. I experienced this grace that was so much more powerful than my worst, deepest, darkest sin. I realized, okay, um, I'm not the one who has shocked God with my ability to mess up. <laughs> Need to get over myself and receive grace because I'm not that good even at sinning and neither are you. Jesus is better at saving, and he's here to do that. And I realized it that night and simply just said, yes, yes. And I walked home that night, and I was different, man. It's like the birth of this peace and joy and hope, like this little plant that just started blooming that God said, take care of this. This is my promise to you. Choose to water it. Choose to tend it. Choose to give it sunlight. 
Let this become who you are. Make this side of eternity look as much like that as you can in the here and now. And so would everybody right now, can, can we just all bow our heads um, out of privacy for, I believe, a couple people in this room who just, this is for you. This is your moment to transfer your hope from the world or from your ability to save yourself to, to Jesus, to receive a savior. And you know he's talking to you right now. I would be willing to bet you've known for a while he's been beckoning you. You might feel some emotions right now, but make no mistake, this is not purely emotive. This is your creator who made you and knit you together in your mother's womb and has plans for you and loves you so much. He's talking to you right now. This is real, not a religion. This is the start of a relationship. And if you want him and just know that you know that you know I am going to heaven forever one day, and I can sleep easy and breathe easy right now and steward these promises of joy, hope, and peace. Would you just raise your hand right now? This is for you. Just be courageous. There's nothing magical about a hand raise. Nothing magical about a hand raise. That's awesome. <laughs> Something happened the moment you just said yes in your spirit. A hand raise just kind of helps solidify externally what's happening internally. That's so awesome. So Jesus, I just, <laughs> Jesus, I thank you. God, because I just, I believe you have the ability to choose your character and you've chosen just goodness and love and not a scarce amount of it, an infinite amount of it to give to us. I'm not sure why, all I know is I'm grateful. So I thank you for the, the people in this room who just received you as their Lord and Savior. Would you seal that in them? Would you keep them? Would you show them they're not meant to do this faith journey alone? Would you show them there's a community around them to walk with right now? God, for the rest of us, I pray just for crazy deep revelations, God. I just, I believe with all my heart, we don't need more joy, peace, and hope from you. We need deeper revelations of the joy, peace, and hope we already have because of Christmas. And so God, would you awaken our spirits and souls right now to see not just a little bit more, but a lot a bit more, how much joy, peace, and hope is available to us and what's possible if we simply put those things into practice. Man, if we practice peace, if we went after joy like it was our job this year, if we invested our hope over and over into your kingdom, the abundant life that is possible for us to walk in right now, God, would we seek after your presence before the party in this Christmas season? We pray this all in the beautiful, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.